Hello and welcome to Sobriety Elevated, the podcast that is committed to empowering you in your recovery and elevating your sobriety. Join us now for the next episode. We hope you create an incredible experience. Let's get the show started. And welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. We have an exciting episode today. We're going to talk about the addict and alcoholic's least favorite thing, and that is boundaries. How to set healthy boundaries and just uh, really what boundaries are. It's a word that is talked about a lot. And for this, we have one of the best boundary setters that I know, and uh, that is my wife, Rachel. So we have Rachel here. Yeah, absolutely. And then we also have Jim with us as well. So the three of us are going to just kind of talk about boundaries and and what they are and how they uh, how they help and maybe a little bit of, of what it was like before we had boundaries and what it was like after we had boundaries in our relationship and also why it's important for people that are you know in recovery to have boundaries as well. That's, that's, that's all I got. That's beautiful. So when you think about life as an addict, how, wh- how were your boundaries and what did that look like for you? Prior to recovery for both of us, or for me at least, I really did not have boundaries. I didn't have good boundaries at all. And I think that's kind of a learned thing when you grow up or, you know, it can be a learned thing to not have boundaries or to feel like everyone else is your responsibility. So I did not have good boundaries. And when did you realize that those boundaries I'm going to use your words, were not good. Or when did you realize that you had poor or weak boundaries? Just in noticing how affected I was by his actions, by the things that he was doing, I was so distraught, which, you know, really anyone in that situation would be. Anyone married to an addict or has, you know, an addict loved one is going to be affected by the by their behaviors, regardless of how strong of boundaries you have, but it can really destroy you if you don't have healthy boundaries for yourself. Ultimately, you do have to put your health first or, you know, it's all going to fall apart. Everybody's going to fall apart. Kevin, real quick, how would you define boundaries? I was just going to say it's a kind of a buzzword in the recovery circles. And I think a lot of people probably don't know what it is. And I didn't know what that even a boundary to me was like, a boundary for a state line or something. And and I think what it is, is it's like, it's a mental or emotional limit that you put on situations to protect yourself and really to protect others as well. That's kind of what, right. I, uh, what I would call maybe limits. To me, boundaries, as a result of good boundaries, you are honoring yourself. And when you don't have good boundaries you're literally sacrificing your well-being oftentimes for another, it often ends up hurting the person that does not have good boundaries. Yeah, I can think of so many stories of before Rachel found recovery, because she found recovery before I did. And even though it maybe wasn't labeled as recovery, she was, I put her through the ringer. So she was kind of a mess. And I kind of like manipulate, not kind of, I manipulated her and I, uh, I ran over her like a bulldozer. And I can remember once she started to kind of study codependency and recovery and things like that, things really started to change. And I really think her healthy boundaries were one of the keys to pushing me to sobriety. 
And I, I can think of one example, which is kind of funny. It's funny now. Nothing was really funny before. Now things are a little bit more funny as they were than they were. I was going to say, I always like um, that. If she knew I was you out drinking, kind of, I just want to say, I always say, you say it's funny now, and it is funny now. But back then, it was probably very difficult. It was probably very painful. But as your healing has been there, you can see it from a completely different view right now. Yeah, as as the boundaries that Rachel started to do, I couldn't play the games anymore. I couldn't use the manipulation or anything like that. And and so like I would come home from a night of drinking uh, and drugging and gambling and everything that I was doing. And I would get home and there would be a sign on the door that would literally say, you're not sleeping in the bedroom. You need to go downstairs. And that was just a boundary. If I was drinking, I didn't sleep in the same bedroom. And that was just kind of the start. And that's that's really like, I guess, the the easiest one that w- was very out there and easy to to recognize. But that was one of the many boundaries that Rachel was setting. Yes, that was the biggest one for me was so- was that one because it was very difficult to be around him when he was like that. And well, not to get into too many details, but like when he when he wouldn't be making sense or, or he was he was just saying things, it would it would lead me down a whole nother path that, I, you know, I felt so much anxiety and fear and I didn't understand. I didn't understand the drug use on top of the alcohol and I didn't understand what was going on. It was very confusing. It was so stressful and I just did not want to be around it. I wanted my nights to be peaceful. I wanted life with my daughter to be peaceful as possible. That's where I had to draw those lines, which it took me a long time to develop that because it almost felt wrong. And I think that's the thing with boundaries, especially for codependence. It's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel almost like you're doing something wrong because you feel like you're hurting the other person or you feel like you're intruding with your needs. When in reality, those boundaries and those things are eventually going to save both of you or at least keep your sanity in the meantime. To summarize, like it can be really uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable for me. I don't like hurting anyone. I don't like making anyone feel rejected. All the normal fears of a codependent. But as they say, you know, the, the quote goes like if an addict is happy with you, you're probably enabling them. And if an addict is mad at you, you're probably trying to save their life. You're also trying to save your own life, too. And your daughter's life. You were also attempting to keep the family together. Yes. Rachel, where did you learn your boundaries? Because this is something like in my coaching practice, so many people that I work with just simply do not have boundaries. I've witnessed and experienced and heard about your boundaries, and we've heard about them right here. Like the sign on the door is a very powerful boundary (laughs) statement. Where did you learn yours? <laughs> Trial and error. No, I just, so it was a mixture of experience well, no, that might and then be trying true. to read. <laughs> re, mm-hmm. It's both. It's both because it was like, I could no longer function. Like I was crying. I mean, I was a mess, a disaster. And the one time he would be paying attention to me would be when he came home drunk, you know, like following me around like a lost puppy. And that's when the, that's when I was the angriest. <laughs> I didn't want to be around that because it was not him. And it was it was addiction. And just the trial and error of that, of no, of realizing that I was screwing up whenever he'd come home that way, I was becoming angry. I was yelling. I was, I even pushed him, you know, I got physical with him out of my anger. And I just didn't want any of that chaos to be around for myself or for our daughter. Also, then because I was reacting like that, I knew I felt horribly. I felt bad. I felt guilty. 
so I started reading a bunch of books. I joined a bunch of things online and codependent no more, just different books about sobriety and or recovery and how to set boundaries and all of that. Codependency no more. Is that something that if our audience is listening, is that something you would recommend? I would highly recommend that book as well as, and this is going to sound very codependent, but the title of the, the this book, this other book is called Getting Them Sober. <laughs> As if it's up to you, right? It's not up to you, but the title's misleading because it's not up to you. But getting them sober, that book gave me so many different boundaries and ways to react or not react, ways to respond instead of react, just how to pamper, how to like treat myself and be good to myself, not just becoming lost in that chaos and losing myself. One thing that's been really great with Rachel is is watching her kind of coach other women, you know, that are going through what she was going through. She teaches them how to set boundaries and and maybe not teaches them, but just leads them down the path and, and shows them and explains to them what it means and how to do it. And one thing that I've noticed is when people get angry, when you set boundaries, there's a quote that says the only people who get upset about you setting boundaries are the ones who are benefiting from you not from you having none. I think that what we'll notice is addicts hate boundaries because they've been taking advantage of and manipulating and getting away with all of these things. And when boundaries start to happen, they can't anymore. And for me, I was angry. I was like, what is with all these new rules, this new thing? What is she doing? This is ridiculous. But in the end, it was so instrumental to bringing me to the point that I am now. Like Rachel said, it's not her responsibility, definitely not her responsibility to get me sober. But what I think the point of that book is, is it shows you how to handle addiction from the other side and how to set these boundaries and how to, to really be strong. Yeah. I so agree with that. That's the question I was going to ask Rachel is in the statement I was going to make is first, Rachel, you're right. You or you cannot say somebody else is going to become sober and have that be true for them. But what you can do is you can create the space that they can see the importance of choosing sobriety and staying sober. Because as much as you loved Kevin, it was literally who you were being such that you and Kevin and Michaela could have a solid family. It was the boundaries that you created and that you implemented that assisted Kevin or or that gently nudged Kevin to say, I really want to stay sober, keep sober and be sober. Kevin, what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know for sure how important it is. The way that she was supporting me was by saying no to me, by not letting me do the things that I was getting away with. And, and you see, like there's enabling, which is, is so it's hard because you love someone and you want to help them and you want to be there for them. But it has to get to a point where there's a boundary where you can say you can basically just say no and you can stand firm in it. And there was no like options or wavering. You know, I'm a pretty good salesman. I can get a I can kind of talk my way around a lot of things. But once Rachel was committed to these boundaries, there was no going back. And so I had to make a choice. It was either. I'm going to be isolated or by myself or I'm not going to have her or I have to start to think about these things. So it was like it it helped instill consequences in me, which then again is what drove me to change. Yeah. And if you're listening to this 
I want you to hear that boundaries, sobriety, and recovery, those are all co-created things with the people in your life who are choosing to support you. So if you are someone who is supporting someone in recovery, boundaries are critical. If you are an addict that is looking to get clean and stay clean, for you, boundaries are critical. And if even if you're supporting someone else who is in relationship with an addict, you assisting to someone else, that is so critical. There are books, there are coaches, there are counselors you can go to. Rachel, it sounds like you created your own program that now, how many, 970 days, Kevin? 960 days clean? 960 days clean and sober. 960 something days clean and sober. And Rachel, thank you for who you were to be strong, not only to keep your family together, but to now create this incredible life that you all have. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to see the progression. I mean, anyone that knows Kevin knows he's, he's, it it was hit i mean in every part of his world it was his way and he definitely was used to getting what he wanted and i have actually been told that i'm i'm weak for staying like i mean i've had somebody say wow i'm surprised you you know you're weak or but no like i i i did stand up to certain things it may not have been imp- apparent on the outside ultimately it led to a changed behavior which i can't take credit for all of that it is empowering to grow those boundaries with yourself and you gain self-respect. And then you, with that self-respect, you no longer can tolerate certain behaviors. As they say, you know, you teach people how to treat you. If you're being treated poorly, if you're being abused, those are other things aside from addiction, even you got to get out or you got to, you got to detach from that. You are not obligated to stay in something that's destructive to your, your personhood. That is so brilliantly spoken. Kevin, thoughts about that? I love hearing that stuff from Rachel because what I've seen is, first off, somebody who said you were weak obviously doesn't know you. And yeah, know does, yeah, does not know your yeah. story, but that's a... There's, there's nothing yeah, weak about you, Rachel. Well, wow. It was definitely harder to stay and stick through this than to leave. So I think that shows strength. On a different note, you know, what it's it's great to see, this is why recovery is for everyone, whether you're an addict or not. And even like emotional sobriety and stuff that they call it, because what I've seen is Rachel really get into recovery because now it's like, and we all still struggle and, and we we joke a lot of times about codependency and stuff with each other because most addicts are also codependents and we have a hard time saying no, we have a hard time, you know, setting boundaries as well. Being able to see Rachel be like, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. She's not going to just do things to make other people happy. And I mean, there are sacrifices we make in relationships, all that stuff being able to stick with what we want and realizing that one thing I've heard Rachel say, and I think this is huge with boundaries and I'll I'll ask her to talk about it is trusting your gut instinct. Like if you feel really uneasy about something, that's typically means that something needs to happen. There needs to be a change. Yes. 100%. 100%. I would, if I could go back or if I could tell anyone else going through that is to pay attention to your feelings. I mean, sometimes, you know, feelings lie to us, but For the most part, if you're consistently feeling uneasy about something or anxious about something, like there is a reason for that and you need to explore it. And it's it's easy to put blinders on or to brush things under the rug. 
But the longer you do that, the worse it's going to get and the harder it's going to get to confront it and to take it on. And yeah, it's it definitely grows your, again, your self-confidence and your level of respect for yourself when you can then listen to that voice in your heart that's telling you like something about this isn't right. And if you're listening to this and you think that you are not strong enough, that's baloney. One of the things I know is that when you get to a point that you're no longer going to take it, you become strong enough. It's you choosing to be in your strength and then simply being in that strength. Because Rachel, one of the things is I have never seen a weak side of you. Now, we've not had much interaction, but every interaction, I have seen a strong, authentic, driven, spiritual human who is committed to love, who is committed to healing, and who is committed to doing what it takes to support not only yourself and your daughter, but Kevin also. And the result is literally an amazing life. Mm-hmm. To kind of start closing us out here, just come into a, a time and, you know, I think boundaries are are really one of the keys to recovery for both both sides, for the addict and the loved one of the addict. And I think that the number one quickest boundary that we can all learn is to start saying no, not accepting things to happen. And and so for me, as a addict, alcoholic, also a pretty codependent guy who wants to please everyone around me and doesn't want anybody to not like me and all that, I've had to learn to say no. People that reach out to me for help, if all they're doing is calling me and never taking any action to what what I'm saying or what I'm doing, then my boundary is I'm not going to keep dealing with that. I'm going to cut it off and say, here's the deal. You have to do this if you want to keep talking to me. And I think I think that Rachel can probably share some different things on what like the first step is. Like if somebody's out there right now, Rachel, and their loved one is is active and deep in addiction, what would you say like the very first step, the very first thing that they can do is? To, you know, seek out support for themselves to start. We focus so much on the addict and, and all this need for control or figuring out what they're doing, but you need to start tuning into your own heart and your own mind and what's going on with you as a result. And then getting the right help for that. Like I said, I read a lot of books and I think one of the authors, Leslie Vernick, she's really good about boundaries as well. She says, you know, firm boundaries plus tough, tough consequences can lead to change behavior. You have to remember that it's nothing's going to change until you decide for one that you're going to change. And if you start changing and you start setting up boundaries for yourself and setting up like what you will and will not tolerate, what you won't do, then that's going to affect them one way or the other. There's no way that your own actions cannot affect someone else, just like the addict's actions are affecting you. If you start changing and becoming a healthier person and setting those boundaries, then it's going to trickle down to how they're responding and eventually what they may or may not do. And then I would just say to like be kind to yourself about it because there were so many times that I felt like a failure because I didn't uphold what I said I was going to do. I wanted to detach with love, but that's also really hard to do when you're in the same household and they're following you around, you know? So then, you know, when anger comes out or when you, when you don't do what you say you're going to do, it can feel defeating sometimes, but you have another day. There is another day. There is another time to work on it. You just do better the next time. 
I found that leaving the house was good, choosing not to be around when he drank, not riding in the car with him at certain points. There's all kinds of things that you can draw lines with. It may not make them happy, but eventually they're going to realize what they're doing. They're going to respect if you keep, it's just like with a child. If you keep doing the same things, if you, consistent parenting, you know, if you keep, if you keep staying consistent with it, then it's going to be the new hard, fast rule and there's no getting around it. Now, if you ease up or you lax up, you know, then they're going to try and find a way to manipulate and get back in there. It is exhausting. It is hard. You just take one day at a time and you do your best and eventually you will get better and better and it will get better. (laughs) It will get better. Awesome. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and and thank you for having boundaries and thank you for sticking with me and, and staying married with me, married to me through all this because it's been really cool. And thank you for helping so many other people too. And we ask that you please rate us, share us, subscribe to us. The more people we can reach, the better. We also have something exciting coming up. Jim, who's actually my coach in life, is going to be putting together a course that Rachel and I and a lot of my friends and people in recovery and people thinking about recovery are going to do. And Jim, can you just describe that for a second and then and then close us out all the way? We're coming up on the most stressful time, not only for people in recovery, but for all of humans. It's the holiday season. I am just about ready to unveil a program that's going to begin just before Thanksgiving, and it's going to end right after New Year's. And what it is going to give you is a holiday season to where literally you recreate who you are, you close out 2020, and you begin to create an incredible 2021, and it's going to be released this week. Thank you for listening. We're looking forward to it. Thank you. You've been listening to Sobriety Elevated. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Everybody create an incredible week and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. That's fine. Bye-bye.